Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and while Keith, our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies, is traveling, we have with us Mike, our institution's optimistic Scrooge. This week featured a home match against West Ham and a match at Craven Cottage versus Fulham. Hi, Mike. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Uh, wish under better circumstances. <laughs> And uh, to to you and to all of our listeners, ha- happy new year! Happy new year! All anxiety, as they say. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not quite so happy a new year yet for Arsenal. At least <laughs> got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Unfortunately, yes, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Better, better things to come. Twenty twenty four. I hope so. Yeah. So first, a little bit of follow up. So we talked on earlier episodes about the different officials, including the VAR and the video assistant referee. And we had said, I'm pretty sure, and when Keith is back, he can set the record straight if I'm remembering this wrong. But I remember him indicating that he believed the VAR was in the building, wherever the match is occurring, that there would be a room that would have the video assistant referee because he's on comms with the on-field refs, and they would be able to coordinate that way when it comes to calls. However, I noticed during, I don't remember, I, I have a feeling it was probably during the West Ham match where we had the ball that <laughs> went over the line and yet didn't. Um don't, we'll don't we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> oh yeah, not not yet. I'll I'll get you started in a few minutes on that one. So, um, so the, the the commentators had mentioned at the time something about Stockley Park, and that they were reviewing it in Stockley Park, and so that was enough for me to hang my hat on and do some sleuthing. And it does seem, and I'll have a link in the show notes, and I'd love your take on this too, Mike. Um, is Stockley Park the VAR facility? Is that where there's like a room of people watching every match going on at any point in time in the Premier League? And that's where they are reviewing the video and communicating with the on-field refs? Very possible. I can't say for sure. I do know, though, that they are not in the stadium. And I always thought they were just in like a van outside that they travel the games. Okay. I assume that because I'd also assume that they probably have similar people working multiple games on a given day maybe you know they do an early game in london and they drive up to manchester i don't i don't don't really know how it works but but yeah i it's not in the stadium um i think based on what we've seen i think it's very fair that we should make them sit outside on the side of the pitch in the freezing cold and make them (laughs) do their work in front of the fans i think it's only fair but yeah as far as i know they're, they're they're too scared. Make them corrupt to make to them dodge balls that go wide of the goalposts. Yeah, I mean, look, they do, they do the same thing in the NFL, right? I think they have uh, they do all that stuff in New York, no matter where the game is. Right. So yeah, right. We talked sense. about that, and I think with the NHL, I think he had said it was in Toronto. I think is where their like operation yeah. center is, or something like that, which we joked about. Yeah, that it's the national, the American National Hockey League, but they <laughs> have their official city in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, look, it's so. bad enough they can't uh, they can't see things that are right in front of their face. I think uh, the last thing they'd want is, uh, you know, showing up to the stadium and realizing that, you know, some HDMI cords or something doesn't work and they can't get it in time and they can't use PA. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I'd assume <laughs> that they're at some kind of like central location where they have a nice old stock room of things to make sure everything runs smoothly. Well, for those yeah. listening, <laughs> runs quotation is... marks run smoothly, <laughs> which it does not run smoothly. So, but it's no, really it's nice. it runs as smoothly technically as they're capable of. I think the actual video part of it is fine. It's the the referee part of it that tends to have some problems. Although I think equipment may actually play into what happened at the West Ham match. So, so that's that's all I have as far as follow up. Um, any news? We are just beginning the January transfer window now. It is the second of January, the first business day of January as we record today. Um, any news you're aware of going into that? Uh, as far as January transfers, I, I, you know, if anything is to happen specifically with Arsenal, I would imagine it's going to happen later in the month towards the end. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's always a tough window. And if you're looking for a major uh, signing, the chances of you even completing that before the end of the trans- transfer window is 
very, very small. And I think if you also put into the mix the Asian Cup and the African Cup of Nations, all of a sudden, you know, everything's out of whack. So it's going to be even more difficult. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if we we don't even end up signing anyone just because, you know, it's happened with a couple players before where people ask too much money. and, And yeah, we could spend the money and do it. But, you know, Edu and Arteta and all and the Cronkies, they, they like to, you know, keep their cards close to their chest now. So, sure, I think it's going to be relatively quiet on that front for the, you know, for the most. Yeah. Time. So you you mentioned the two uh, Nations Cups going on. So we're gonna we just got Tomiyasu back a little bit this week, and then we're going to be uh, losing him again for an indeterminate amount of time, depending on how far Japan goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he's probably going to get injured. Wide plays, so fun times. <laughs> that's that's the Scrooge part of your title. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> I mean, look. To be fair, the guy—I I don't actually remember him getting injured on international duty, but the fact that he—yeah—it's just he's bound to get injured at some point. Doesn't really—he's just coming off of injury is. now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I was even surprised that he was on the bench against um, Fulham. So. Let's just hope for the best and hope that um, Japan get knocked out as soon as possible. It's really right. You know, I think everyone would like to see that. Just about Japan, they're actually very, really good. So I wouldn't even be surprised if they're going to win the Asian (laughs) Cup. They're probably the best Asian team right now. I can think of. I think uh, probably them and South Korea are the two teams to beat the tournament. Sure, but that's as far as I'm. Yeah, and. What we've been doing on this show is during um, international breaks, as the World Cup qualification process has been going on, um, Keith and I have each adopted one team from each confederation and kind of followed them through the process. So I do Mm. believe Keith had picked Japan, and I'm following India. So, yeah, it does sound like South Korea and Japan are toward the top there. Japan are on an incredible run. I think they lost somewhat recently in one of the friendlies but apart from that they've won like 20 games on the bounce like they, they're actually they've become a really good team really really good team probably the best japanese team they've ever seen hmm. so yeah go japan so but what like, do you know of party was, status party stat oh party or i thought you were talking about parties <laughs> yeah, I was party. like, we just, we, I just <laughs> Party, party for yeah. 2023. 20, I'm done with parties. Party? Well, I don't know. Look, uh, everything I read on Twitter, it's, you know, 90% of it's complete nonsense. So hmm. they're saying, you know, I read, I read something a week or a couple weeks ago saying that, oh, he might be back already for the Liverpool FA Cup game coming up on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, which I think is just not true. Um, I did hear that he might not even go to the African Cup of Nations either Mm. because he's still injured or because, and, you know, I was thinking about this, actually, you know, you look at him, I, I I don't, I think his contract might be up in the summer or maybe the summer after. So, and he's in his early Mm. thirties and he has to start thinking, okay, you know what, my time at Arsenal and I would, you know, I'd imagine also I'd have to stick with the guy getting injured all the time. So I think long term, you have to replace him. And Parthi's probably also thinking, well, I need to go to a team and get paid for my last big contract. I can't just play a few games here, play an African African Cup of Nations, get injured, not play for Arsenal for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Like I need to show face a little bit. So, and we've seen that before with international friendly breaks, yeah. where he's sort of taken a seat back from that to prep for Arsenal. Hmm. So. I don't know. I actually don't know when they're due to report. So it's probably going to be in the next uh, 10 days. We'll find out. So hopefully he stays home. Stays home, heals up. He's back. Yeah. End of of the month. Yeah. Uh, Here's to a speedy recovery for him. And uh, and that we benefit from it more than than his home country. (laughs) Yes. I mean, screw uh, Ghana. You know, I'm going to insult the whole nation of Ghana right now, you know? You give us a guy who has legs made out of hot chocolate. They just it just always breaks apart. It always falls apart. It's complete. It's a joke. And but you know, I actually love Party. I think he's. I think he was actually probably one of our better players last season. 
So mm-hmm. oh, definitely, we, could re- we really could use them. Really, really could use them as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so the time has come to begin our discussion of West Ham. Uh, so this is the second time that we played them this season. The first was when they knocked us out of the Carabao Cup really early on. Um, and then this match was our sort of Boxing Day fixture. We didn't have a Boxing Day fixture this, this year, but this was uh, two days after Boxing Day on the 28th. And they, they won 2-0 at the Emirates, which was like insult to injury on that. Um, but uh, the the first note that I have that was kind of a, a weird situation was how I watched it. So this one seems like it streamed live on Peacock. I don't know where the match was carried. It was, it was a midday match that I was never going to be able to watch live. But then when I went to watch the replay later, it wasn't on Peacock. It wouldn't become available until I ended up watching it on Peacock the next day. It also wasn't in the NBC Sports app, which usually it's it's going to be on one or the other when it's a Premier League match. And it's weird, but I couldn't find it in either. So I don't know if it was supposed to be in NBC Sports and they just slacked in putting the replay up or what was going on. But that was a little weird. It was frustrating because I wanted to see it and I didn't see it till the next day. So Yeah, I actually don't remember if I watched on USA or Peacock. So it is a little bit yeah. odd. But... Yeah. yeah, it was it was it's one of those the things. Case. Usually, where when it's on USA, it's yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I I feel like after the last two results, like every time we lose, I just I just want to forget about it as quickly as possible. So my recollection of what was actually happening in those moments or what I was watching on it just disappears. But yeah, I, <laughs> that 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 is odd. <laughs> to be to be Your honest, I've been, I've, I have been self. Yeah, no, I, I've become, I've developed a great technique for just creating a, a barrier of any kind of arsenal things happening that are affecting me in between us losing a game and the next game. So, yeah, I just, yeah. it's, it's a good, so it's like a, it's like a internal men in black mind wipe. I just forget about everything yeah. except for the actual game itself and it works beautifully. But I will say Peacock yeah. and Peacock and USA and NBC, I've noticed a lot of issues recently with their with their um broadcast. I said a lot of it goes oh, yeah, like in what? and what out a lot of times. It goes in and out hmm. a lot of times. <sighs> a lot of connection issues. I've also this has been a thing, and we don't have to make this a thing, but it's it's my biggest pet peeve. They go crazy with the replays. Every little thing is a replay, and the ball gets put back in play. They showing a replay of absolutely nothing in slow motion, and then the next thing they go back to the field, and the ball's on the other side of the pitch, and it drives me absolutely crazy. And I just think it's like it's all of a sudden, yeah, everything's accumulating. All the bad stuff is accumulating. It's it's getting mm. a little bit. I've I've noticed that a couple times, and I've also noticed a couple times where they're starting to show the replay of something, and before it becomes clear what it is they're showing the replay of, they have to cut away from it because something is about to happen, and they can't not let us see the current live action anymore. <laughs> they, they have no choice but to stop the replay. So I don't understand what yeah. their thought process is behind it, because I promise 75% of the replays it's nothing, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they expect us to sit there and they go, oh, wow, look at the ball deflect two miles an hour and roll into the goalkeeper's hands. Like, who, who cares? Mm-hmm. Who gives it? I'm not going to say the word, but who gives it? <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. You hear the fans in the background and they're going crazy. And then they go back to the pitch and it's like, okay, it's out for a throne or a corner or whatever. But it's like, I, I'm. We're trying to watch the game. We you show the replays at halftime. Show their full time. Just just focus on the game. Just keep it simple. And it's very mm-hmm. much like Arsenal right now, where it's not keep it simple and let's just go forward. Simple, <laughs> easy, easy. Just go. It's it's like a lot of like oh look how fancy we are. Look at this. It's all it's all um, it's all just an illusion. Yeah, yeah. So I think the time has come to talk about 
VAR a little bit. Um, so we it. came out strong. Yeah, we came out strong. Saka had a nice attempt, like in the third minute of the match. But the next thing of note was what my notes refer to as a painful slow motion train wreck. That was the goal that West Ham ended up scoring, where it bounces off of a defender and then goes what looked to everybody watching live like it went out of touch over the byline to be knocked in and then kicked into the goal. It was like a ricocheting mess. I think, yeah, I think Raya may have been the first deflection. I think he did block it at first and didn't get control of it and it got deflected again and went out. Um, but yeah, so what what did you think of the VAR situation there? All right, well, I'm going to just bring it back a few seconds before the ball yeah. goes out of play because it did go out of play. Please. So, firstly, I've seen this kind of goal Arsenal allowed in so many times in my life, and I get it. You know, I'm sympathetic to it a little bit because you're dominating your home. And there's no excuses. They shouldn't be letting a goal that early, especially like that. But you have to sort of take it like, well, West Ham are defending. It's early in the game. They have energy. Left back, I think it was Emerson. I think it was. Uh, maybe it was someone else, whoever the left back was. I mean, he goes on. He has a nice space. He goes for a run. He whips in a great cross. Like, you got to hand it to him. It was a really good cross. If that cross doesn't come in the way it comes in, the ball we get the ball back. It's absolutely nothing happened. So he puts in a great cross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it both ways. How many times when we're struggling this season and all of a sudden Saka puts in a nice cross into the back post and all of a sudden it's like you create something out of nothing. Like it's a really, really dangerous moment. All it takes is, you know, just it takes one touch to all of a sudden change the whole game. So he whips in a nice cross. It like deflects. Yeah, I, I sort of forget if it went. Raya touched it. Who touched it first? You know, Saliba's dragged out r- right. Um, Gabriel and Zinchenko are sort of in the middle, marking their guys. It deflects. It comes in fast. Ba ba ba. And then all of a sudden, the ball. Okay, you know when that when that, when that went in, I, I went. I said to myself, oh, "Well, that was crap." Okay, at least they scored this early. Let's just move on. And then they show the highlights, and you know, obviously the check the AR, so it's, I'm okay with that. Most of the AR, the ball is out. The ball <laughs> is literally out. This whole thing of conclusive evidence my ass, because they <laughs> look at fouls, they give red cards, they do this, based on what? Conclusive evidence? There's no such thing as conclusive evidence, because well, yeah. everything is an opinion. So, <laughs> I've seen fouls where people elbow against, when we played Aston Villa, one of their center backs elbowed Martinelli in the face and they said, well, it's a yellow card. It's, you know, what? it's not conclusive that he elbowed him in the <laughs> face. I, it makes no sense. There's no consistency. If you compare yeah. that with what happened at Newcastle, okay, the Newcastle one, if you look at the, all the best angle that they have, it's at like a 45 degree angle. So yeah, I guess you can't, it's hard to tell. I also think the ball mm-hmm. went out. Okay. Maybe they did an optical illusion, whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It went out. The ball's out of play. If that, that happens, if I'm playing in Central Park and that happens, there's no way <laughs> I'm not getting a throw in or anything. That is, I'm not letting it happen. It's not happening. The ball's out. But if you look at this replay, it is perfectly straight with the line. And you have Bowen's yep. knee there. Like, I don't, what? Because the ball's touching this much of the well, line that you can't see. Why yeah. do why does West why do West Ham get the benefit of the doubt in that? Why right. don't the defense so, get the benefit of the doubt? So here's here's my read on the situation, right? So when you're talking about conclusive evidence, which yeah, that's what the commentators were talking about. That's apparently the standard that the the referees were going for. I think it's inherently different when you talk about something like offside or out of touch where there is an objective measure, right? The entire ball is over the line. It's a little subjective when it comes to VAR only because where are you drawing the lines and especially on the player's body when they're in an odd position, you're saying how far up the arm, let's say, are you drawing the line or something like that, right? So with this, it's a, it's an objective question of do we see 
definitely that the ball went out so we can overrule what the on-field ref called, right? Yes. We, and we did see, we did what see what it, I, to be fair. But go ahead. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. We did see it. So There's... for us, as Arsenal fans seeing it, right, I was convinced that the ball went out. Like, you can tell if it moves the same amount in each frame, which you're talking about one frame of video, it's moving the same speed in frame 35 as it is in frame 34, right? So at that pace, they advance it one more time, and yeah, it went out before it got bounced back in, right? But, like you mentioned, Bowen's leg was covering the ball at that time. So at the time that it went out, his leg was perfectly positioned, so you couldn't see the edge of the ball. You didn't. You weren't able to draw like a vertical line and say, oh, the, it went totally out, right? Okay, but if this you're, is... So, yeah. This is, what, this is where I have to fight back a little bit, because if the if he's covering if his knee is covering the ball, then you use the tip of his knee as a metric. His knee is out of play, so if you can't see the ball and his knee is out of play and it's behind his knee, it has to be out of yeah. play. There's no way. If, and no, yeah, if you can see the camera. The, case, the camera, I think you would be out. right. Yeah. Yeah, no, if, and, if and, his knee were entirely out of play, I think that would be the case. But I think his knee was just crossing the line enough that you couldn't see the edge of the line anymore. I think but see that, that probably again that 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 gives me this thing of like I just think there's a whole philosophical discussion to be had of why does West Ham get the benefit of the doubt in that position as opposed to the defense? Well, because so I, so here's where my conclusion from this whole thing is not to blame VAR. I understand the way that the VAR came to the decision that he did. I think it's just a matter of circumstance in that this was on the far side of the goal from where the linesman was. I think if this had happened on the near side, the linesman would have made the right call in the moment. He would have seen that it went out. He would have called it out. That would have been the end of a story, right? But because the linesman didn't call it and the on-field ref didn't call it, then it was a matter of do we overturn or not. And it's, that's, that's where the benefit of a doubt comes from is because it's the, what the on field refs had decided. The benefit of a doubt would have landed with Arsenal if they had decided in the moment to call it out instead of in. Right. Yeah. But, but they also, if, if in those instances, they're actually supposed to let the play finish. So yes, I agree. Like if the ref had right. blown, that was out and then they went on and scored a goal. Well, it'd be like, well, no, it went out it i get that but but um uh but yeah it's like but they're but they're being told not to stop the play that's why you see so many times right. someone's offside they let them score the goal because the linesmen are useless the linesmen have no authority whatsoever they're they're absolutely useless they you just just next any game any game you watch just watch the linesmen how they react to offside calls it's it doesn't matter if they lift it up or not because if they don't lift it up Okay, well, if they score a goal, they're going to take it to VAR. If they don't score a goal, then okay, whatever. It's a corner, whatever. It, to them, it doesn't matter. So if you just watch, watch how delayed. And I don't know if you remember this in the game itself. Two minutes after that happened, we let that goal in. We were doing some intricate dribbling, passing in the West Ham box. Right. Odegaard had the ball. Uh, and the ball sort of, it went out, like, same area, like, past the line. But, you know, I watched on yes. TV, I was like, I was like, Boy, it's hard to tell if we're losing if we're using the bases at that much of the ball, an inch of the ball is <laughs> yeah. touching the line, then it's in. Well, so Odegaard have we have you know, we're putting the pressure, yeah. Odegaard's dribbling. Odegaard manages to keep it in, out. I, I have no idea. You can't really see for sure. Oh, but he yeah. referee just oh no, it's goal kick. Oh. Yep. You yep. saw that you saw that with fifteen guys in the box, but there's a break with four people and yeah, oh well, I don't know. We have to there's no steps. <laughs> It makes no sense. There, it, it's all nonsense. And right. And at the end of the day, it's one, we did not lose this game because of VAR. Two, I don't give a shit at this point. I'm sorry to swear, but I don't care if, <laughs> if whether we let the referees make all the decisions or VAR make all the decisions. This little hybrid thing, it's just, it just, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's baffling because on one end of the pitch, VAR says, "Oh, we don't have a we don't have a good enough camera." So then, don't do your job. Then we don't need you. You know, it's like if you hired a moving company and they said, 
oh, we don't have a big enough truck to do this. Um, so yeah, we can't do the job. Well, it's like, well, that's not my problem. Then don't mm-hmm. even don't <laughs> then, then like, don't advertise that you could do this job because you can't obviously, <laughs> then it's pointless. What the hell is the point? What are we doing here? And yeah. I just, it bothered me even more because obviously because we lost, but, but because like even, you know, two minutes later, same exact thing happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, the ball's out, blows the whistle, it's called it. Yeah. What? Yeah, I, I made a sarcastic note about that, and it was it was exactly two minutes after they, the VAR decision came down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my most charitable explanation is just it was a split-brain decision because it was two different people. It's two different linesmen, right? The linesman at West Ham's goal made one call. The linesman at Arsenal's goal made the other call. And I think it's just... It, it stinks, but you know you, you can't have one ref covering the whole field and different ones. Are, they try as best they can, I guess, to get on the same page, but it is frustrating when they're not. And yeah, like <laughs> Odegaard should have hopefully received that same benefit of a doubt, but didn't. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's 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 um, you know, because like when I was watching when I was a kid. That was a whole point. Of, that was a whole talking point of football. Was I remember games we used to play United, you know, all these big games where the referee would absolutely screw us, make terrible decisions. You know, there was always a running joke. Sir Alex Ferguson pays off the referees. It's impossible to get a penalty at Old Trafford. You know, all this stuff. And yes, frustrating. I remember crying as a kid during certain moments. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can tell you specific refereeing decisions that destroyed me, broke my heart. <laughs> but this whole thing of oh well we have the tech well we have this and look oh but now like the camera angle's not good this already was a huge was like the biggest talking when this happened in newcastle was the biggest talking point in football there was mm-hmm. nothing else going on in world football that more people were not talking about it yeah. was the biggest talking point oh a month later the same thing happens and we're oh inclusive uh blah blah Oh, you didn't do anything to mitigate that. It's it's it just shows exactly how incompetent, how stupid it is. And again, we didn't lose the game because of the, that decision. But it's just well, makes no sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily so straightforward to say we didn't lose because of that decision. I mean, it could be that that goal early on did absolutely changed the tenor of the rest of the match and did directly contribute to us losing it. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost hard to argue otherwise given our form to that point and especially at home, but you know, you can, you can never actually enter the multiverse and, and find out what would have happened if that decision went differently, but no, it's true. Um, but I think the fact that they score, what minute did they score, what, 10th minute, 13th, something that was very early. 13th, early. 13th minute, yeah. 13th minute. Um, I'm sorry, but with, you know, 75 minutes left in the game, the, the way we dominated, yeah. uh, I just don't think that uh, yeah. that's how you, you don't, like, there's, yeah, I, I, I don't think, but yeah, I know, I agree as well, you know, like, obviously it changed the game. But I also don't think it really changed it that much because I think the way the last or however many minutes went by until they scored the second goal would have been exactly mm-hmm. the same thing would have happened. We would have dominated the ball. We would have I hear you. possession yeah. and, you know, maybe we would have won. But, you yeah, know, if they would have done this in the have 80s. been minutes, insurmountable. Yeah. Yeah. And look, West Ham are not that good. They're really not that good. They played at home to Brighton today. Today is January the 2nd, everyone. They played at home to Brighton today. They drew 0-0 at home. They had two shots on goal, 35% possession. Brighton, mm. you want to score a goal, you play Brighton. Brighton letting so many goals. These guys aren't <laughs> that, they're not that good of a team. You know, it's it's not, uh, this is not something that we are, need to be like, you know, imploding well, yeah. in our brains so- because it can't be West Ham home. So let's let's talk about the the rest of the match. So yeah. there there are a couple things that that I noted. So so first of all, I ended the half noting that we had tons of energy and tons of opportunities. We should be okay. <laughs> I was very optimistic at the halftime break that we'd be able to pull out of it given the way we'd been playing to that point. Um 
something else I had started to notice toward the end of the first half, which only got worse in the second half until I believe he was subbed out, is Zinchenko. Zinchenko has been just making a mess of things. Like he's been called to do more defensively than he has traditionally had to do for us. And then I think he's probably suited for this is something that Keith and I have covered a little bit on the show. And it seems like he's also just starting more than we've typically had him do also. And he may just be getting tired. Um, and yeah, I think he directly led to a few turnovers that made a big difference in the flow of the game and directly to some plays that ended up costing us. Um, but aside from that, we did very well. It was a very strong match for us. We had opportunity after opportunity. It started to get tough to note them all in the last like 20, 25 minutes of the match. It was like every couple minutes we had a shot. I mean, it was just we were dominating completely. We just could not convert them was was the big problem. And that, that continued into Fulham also. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those games. And you're always going to have these games where you dominate, you can sh- you can shoot a hundred times, you won't score a goal, and it happens. It happens to the best of teams, and it's you know you should never be surprised by that. I thought Aston Villa away was gonna was actually one of those games. Obviously, it's concerning now that we've had three in like three weeks that are one of those mm. games. Um, it's not exactly championship material, um, right? As far as uh, Zinchenko goes, I still think he's a great player. And yeah, mm. he's. if you ask me who do I want one-on-one against Mo Salah, yeah, Zinchenko is definitely not anywhere near the top <laughs> right. of that list. I think that one of the issues, though, he's having is the way we play. You know, you have Zinchenko pushes up. Martinelli pushes up. Well, then who's in the middle there? And we had Trussard that game. You know, as much as I want to believe that Trussard is like a Santi Pazorla region who can just like come in and just play anywhere on the pitch, the guy's not a center midfielder. And by no means is it anyone else's fault other than Zinchenko for just giving away the ball because he did it against Liverpool, did it against West Ham, did it against, well, you know. Um, I do think that that has a little bit to play. And I think having, like last season, having a guy like Xhaka next to him, who was a leader in a team, who could make eye contact with him and say a thousand words without saying anything. You know, <laughs> when you when you have a guy like Havertz, who's very quiet, who's very shy, and you have a guy like Trussard, who's not an imposing person, that kind of stuff, I think, makes people a little bit... Um, not on their toes, not the way they should be. And I think that's what's leading Zinchenko to having a little bit of this drop-off. Now, hmm. I have solu- I personally have solutions and why I think okay. they fire our tattoo. Do you want, do you want to talk I, about that now or do you want to wait till after Fulham? No, whenever, whenever you want. Let's, we can wait till Fulham. It's, it's, it's same yeah, thing applies. Let's, let's, r- let's round out the week and then we'll, we'll get to your prescription. Yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah, Zinchenko, I, but, you know, we're in, a, we're in a tough position right now because you look at our defensive options. You know, I don't, I think if Timber never gets injured, Timber starts most of the games at left back. Right, right. Um, Tommy Oss is injured. Well, okay, so now we only have one left back. We played Kivior against Fulham. Kivior is not a left back. Right. At right back, we only have one right back. Okay, we have Cedric. There's no way this guy's going to start a game. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're a little bit light there and it's, it's difficult. And if you look at, you know, before the second goal, I noticed the first thing I noticed before they scored, I saw Zinchenko marking Mavropanos on the corner. And I just remember seeing that they showed it really quick. I was, I was like, why that was, why the hell is Zinchenko on Mavropanos? He's <laughs> their second center defender. He's like one of the biggest guys. And you look at that team and it was a big team. And yeah. all of a sudden we were like our Havertz. shortest player against their tallest. <laughs> yeah. Havertz is six foot five or whatever. We replaced him with Trussard that game. Tomiyasu yeah. is six one. We replaced him with Zinchenko. All of a sudden it's two that is a huge difference all of a sudden on a corner. When you have a team like West Ham, you look at the West Ham team, they're all they're all huge, all strong. They're all big. Yeah. And the fact that I guess maybe we just had to 
at that point it was like, look, it's either Zinchenko or Trussard. Like we we only have so many <laughs> players to mark other players. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just screams volumes to me, and I just think that uh, with our, our if we had the whole defense fit, I I, I really do think that you end up having Timber or Tomiyasu in there who's going to be winning headers, who's going to not be, you know, thinking yeah. they're Lionel Messi and trying little cute flicks all the time, you know, this kind of thing. So, yeah, it is an issue, but we're sort of can't really do much about it, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just a couple more things to round out the West Ham match. Um, do you know in stoppage time, Jesus got a yellow card? Do you, did you know what that was for? It was just kind of announced on screen. I didn't see anything that led to it. I actually don't have any recollection of that. <laughs> My guess okay. was probably, ar- <laughs> if I had to guess, probably arguing with the official. I, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even, I'm well, so even then the last. The last 10 minutes, I sort of zoning out because I just, I just. Well, yeah, so, but it was an exciting last 10 minutes. So we're, we're behind 2 0 after we concede from that corner kick and we go into stoppage time and midway toward, toward the end, not even midway, almost at the end of stoppage time, five minutes into stoppage time. (laughs) Declan Rice goofs and commits what I wouldn't argue is a penalty. And you could tell he was kind of annoyed at himself, but like he wasn't really arguing it either. He just like slipped, made a bad tackle, and that's how it goes. So now we're faced with a penalty kick, bringing it to three nil. Like you know, that's what we needed at that point in time. But Raya pulls a save out of out of thin air. So that was I think that was his first (laughs) penalty save or penalty shot he's faced, as far as I, I think. Unless I'm forgetting something. It's the first one I can recall in his time with us. I mean, yeah. Aaron Ramsdale, I don't think it's like ever saved a penalty shot. So props to Raya. You actually are making me remember now. uh, Towards injury time or towards end of the game, Saka showed down a penalty. Like clear penalty. And that's not. Yeah. And you know, I'm sorry to bring back the bar. Yep. Yeah, yep. it was. A, I'm sorry. I they know. I get, it. Yeah. I get it. It <laughs> yeah. is. It is weak. It is not the hardest tackle I've ever seen. But the guy is dribbling in the box, and a guy <laughs> kicks him in the leg. But that is a penalty. Uh-huh. I don't care. You know, I don't know if yeah. you remember because I got to bring it back to the refs because I just hate the refs and I hate them all. <laughs> and you remember against Villa, uh, we had that penalty shout where Jesus was trying to get the ball, and the guy kicked the back of his leg. Like the ball is sort of like chest right. high kind of thing. And they kicked the back of his leg and Jesus went down. They said it wasn't a penalty. Uh, freaking Villa played Sheffield United. Or no, not it wasn't the Sheffield United game. It was different. It was a game this past weekend. Who did they play? They played someone. And basically in the, in the 89th minute, not even anywhere near as close to what happened to Jesus. And even that was nothing. Villa gets a penalty. And again, it's why, mm-hmm. how is Saka not getting a penalty? Then? What is it? Mm-hmm. Like what? I, I really do not understand what the rationale is because we saw yeah. the highlights. He's running in the box. Yeah. He has possession. Yeah. Defender puts his leg out, touches him. I don't give it. I don't, I, I don't give a toot that Saka right. went down too easy. It's his job. I'm sorry, but it's his job. Right. You don't judge it by how he goes down. You judge it by the contact on him. And you can tell from the replay, like, absolutely. It's it's another one that's, it's not necessarily surprising that the on-field official may not have called it. You kind of hope that he would, but, you know, fine in the moment. It didn't look like it was that bad a touch. But, yeah, when you look at the replay, <laughs> you can see it, definitely. It's very simple. If Does an attacker have possession? Yes. Is he in the box? Yes. Does a defender try to get the ball? Yes. Does he <laughs> not? Does he not get the ball but touches the player and said, yes, penalty. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's, yeah. it's as simple as that. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, good for Raya, though. I, that was the only positive out of the game was that rising. Which, yeah, you know. that was cool to see. So, so before we uh, head over to Craven Cottage, uh, let's talk to our listeners for a minute. So, um, you may recall during most episodes, you will hear me refer to our sponsors and thanking our sponsors. Um, what I've never been entirely clear with, with our audience on with you guys is, um, we don't have sponsors in the traditional sense. What I'm referring to as a sponsor is really an affiliate. We're affiliated with them. We're an affiliate of them. Um, and what that means is, so if you go to Liquid IV or Zencaster, who, who have uh, marketed with us before, 
if you use our link that I will always give you during that episode or the, the promo code and you spend money there, then we get some kickback from us giving them business. But when you don't, and you know, obviously most people who listen aren't going to most of the time, you're only going to buy so much liquid IV. Um, we don't get anything. So a sponsorship would be more ongoing revenue. The way that we get ongoing revenue is from listeners like you. So how do you do that? You're wondering, well, you follow the link that's in our description and you become a super fan. It sounds, sounds great, right? So what do you get as a super fan? Well, you get to support us, <laughs> help keep the show going. You get early access to episodes the night we record. So right now it's uh, January 2nd. I'm recording here with Mike. Um, by the time I go to bed tonight, within a few hours, um, usually around 11 p.m. We're recording a little bit early today, so this might hit a little bit before that. But um, I will post an unedited version of the audio into our podcast feed that only subscribers get. Um, after I say thanks for joining us at Gooner U and tell you all the places that you can find us, um, then we'll keep talking for a little bit and you'll hear that tacked on to the end of the episode that you don't get to hear. You have no idea what we're talking about after the episode is over, after the lights go out and we're still talking. Um, so though, and then there's also some, the ads, like you wouldn't be hearing this ad, right? I know you're not a subscriber. You, you who's watching this or listening to this. I know that you're not because the ads get cut out for our subscriber feed in the podcast. Hi, YouTube. Um, you, you still get to listen to the ads, but, um, so. Then we also will occasionally do bonus episodes about very often things that have nothing to do with soccer. So if you like hearing me and Keith and any other guests talk about things that we're passionate about, such as last year, we did an episode on the history of the world part two, um, whatever things may be, if there's a new Marvel movie or Star Wars or something, you know, we Ted Lasso, things like that. We'll talk about that um, while we're, um, <laughs> while we're in the mood. So if all that sounds good, um, you can join. It costs only a dollar a month. It's practically free. And you get all that content and the satisfaction of helping us out. So if that sounds good, go to the link in the description. You can join from there. And thank you for joining us. All right. So let's head on back to Craven Cottage. I, I love the name of that stadium, the, the Spider Fan in me so spider-man fan spider-fan in me uh appreciates that craven the hunter uh well, yeah, Cra villain. <laughs> Cra craven cottage would be a lot cooler if it was spelled with the k's yeah right <laughs> but they're obviously not that cool it is it is actually a great stadium it's one of my favorite stadiums i went there once as a kid um it's really awesome you're really close to the field it's like it's very it's very intimate yeah i'm actually a big, a big fan of craven cottage cool <laughs> It's a very classic stadium. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not not very uh, hospitable to us <laughs> this season. <laughs> it has not. Has so, not. yeah, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like this game went even worse for us in the West Ham match. Like the West Ham match, I felt like we we're on top of things the whole time and we're going to score at any minute. I didn't really have that feeling so much for this one. Like we got the early goal and that was good. But then, you know, we, we, they drew even midway through the first half and we never really felt threatening after that. It's like we let our foot off the gas and could never quite regain control of the match again. Yeah. You know, I, I should be honest with you about something. Yeah. I set my alarm for 8 30 in the morning <laughs> and I woke up and I looked at my, and I, I mean, I woke up, oh, oh God, what time is it? It was like eight thirty, eight forty-five. And I go, oh, thank God, get ready for the game. I close my eyes. I wake up again. And it's nine thirty. <laughs> oh no! And I go, oh no! <laughs> oh God! And I open up. I, I quickly go on my phone, check the score. What the score is? Oh, we're one nil up. Yeah. I go, fantastic. Yeah. Unreal. This is beautiful. <laughs> I'm gonna turn it on right now. I go to my TV. I turn on the game. I, I'm not even joking. Less than sixty seconds go by before Fulham equalized, and it was yeah. just four. <laughs> <laughs> or poor game. Yeah. The rest of the, the next hour was pretty miserable. For uh, yeah, and presumably pretty miserable for them, too. I mean, did you see the rain in the second half? Like, what a yeah. downpour. That was nuts. No, it was really coming down, yeah. Which doesn't make things necessarily easier for us. No. <laughs> you know, but yeah, Fulham have been, uh, you know, the game earlier in the season was also just it was a disaster you know mm -hmm. uh, i don't know what it is about letting in goals from set pieces against fulham Raul jimenez seems to just 
always have our number yeah. in some way. Even if he doesn't score, he just causes so many issues. It was just a really bad game all around. Well, this also continued the trend of conceding from corner kicks. This is two matches in a row where we conceded on a corner kick. With this one, that could have been the difference, right? That would have yeah. that could have made a difference in the match altogether. And you know, certainly by just the numbers, we would have drawn even if not for that. So, no, totally, yeah. totally. Um, it was a really disappointing game, and and you know, it's one of those games where. All right, you know, beginning of the season, you're saying you look at that picture and you go, all right, well, that's three points. We have to get three points out of that. Mm-hmm. When you're coming off this kind of run of games we've had against Villa and the Liverpool game, which the Liverpool game, I don't really have many bad things to say about it. Mm-hmm. But, and then the West Ham game, and all of a sudden the confidence isn't there. Mm-hmm. People are unsure. Nobody wants to step up. It's raining, cats and dogs. Uh, you know, so it was just like it was it was just a really terrible combination of all this stuff going against us, which is partly mostly our doing. Mm. And yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough to watch. I, I, I had no I, you know, during the West Ham game, most of it I was watching and I was saying we can come back. We can still win this game. Yeah. I did not I did not have that same feeling. Well no, and it was just we we did have opportunities. We had enough opportunities that we could have pulled forward, but we squandered them in a different way. It's like we were just kind of boxed out by West Ham and didn't really get clean like we were kind of forced into the arms of the keeper a lot. Like we had a lot of shots that were easy to be blocked. Whereas with this one, like I don't know if you noticed, we didn't get a corner kick until like almost at the end of the match. Like it was a ridiculous amount of time. And that's because we didn't, they didn't need to deflect any of our shots. They were all wide or high. Every single one of them. We just didn't have any good shots on goal to begin with. It was, it was a little depressing. (laughs) It was really poor. And, um, you know, I look at the front three, Martinelli, the last few games, I'm looking at him and I'm just thinking, what the hell is going on in this guy's head? Mm. Um, and to be fair, he did really well for the goal. It was all him, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Jesus, I feel bad for him, to be honest, because the way we play, where we're just sort of like have this sort of semicircle, Martinelli. The, yeah, the, the, the horseshoe of death. Osaka, <laughs> exactly, yes. It's a perfect, perfect way to describe <laughs> it. You know, I feel bad for him because Jesus, you know, Everybody talks so much crap about Jesus. I personally think he's one of the best players we've had at the club. Just individually, I think he's just mm-hmm. incredible. I think I don't think there's really many players in the world who can get the ball at you know in in a, from a, you know the ball can be here, it could be there, it can be at, you know doesn't matter where it is. His back's to goal. There's a defender on him. He still gets the ball mm-hmm. and is able to get past one or two people. There's not many players who can do it. And I feel bad for the guy because he's not getting enough support. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. we're missing another quality creative guy who's there and who's like Jesus. Let me facilitate you. <laughs> it's a lot of it is is you know what I don't want to give the ball to Jesus because we shouldn't lose possession and. You know, we're not going to make as much as an, of an effort to get him like fully, fully number one guy, uh, focal point in our attack. And then Saka as well, because Saka scores a goal, but he's also been disappointing. He hasn't. I also feel for him, you know, like Ben White hasn't been playing well. He's not getting the overlaps. Mm. Odegaard, Odegaard is sometimes plays a little too close to him. So, look, there's some things that I think that are Arteta's fault. And there are some things that the players are just, yeah, they're just not, they're not shooting on target. They're not yeah. passing enough. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's all, it's all really SHIT right now. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to talk about before we get to your prescription for the rest of the season. Um, so you and I haven't really talked about it, but um my, I'm always trying to get my son to watch more professional soccer. And the thing that he's enjoyed watching the most so far has been Messi playing for Miami, right? Like he will watch entire Miami matches in a way that he 
I, I need to try really hard to convince him to for, for Arsenal matches. He just there's something about Messi that he just loves watching him play, which you know it's, uh, so I've seen him play a lot, right? And I couldn't help but think of Messi during that Odegaard free kick um, toward the beginning of the second half. It was like 67th minute, and there was a free kick. It was I don't know maybe six yards back from the top of the 18 yard box or so, like you know, good distance shot, like you know doable and i've seen messi make those time and again like i was watching live with my dad like on the phone with him while we were watching the match and i told him messi would make that shot like four times out of five <laughs> like i've seen him do it and odegaard's obviously not messy it was unfortunate that could have been a huge moment if he'd managed to get that in and draw even and that was early enough in the half that we probably could have pulled out the win from that. But it's just, it was just another one of the opportunities that we just blew. Like Trissard, Trissard had a chance like in the like five, fifth minute of stoppage time. It just went high. Like just kept on getting under it. But yeah. Um, you know, that's the difference between the great players and the good players and the bad players. It's, mm. it's how consistent you can be. And we've seen Odegaard score free kicks before, you know, he scored a few. Um, and yeah, I don't know what it is, you know, like the way your son probably feels when he sees Messi on the ball, it's, I'm not saying it's the same, but it's a similar way. Like when I see Jesus get the ball, when mm-hmm. Jesus gets the ball, all of a sudden you get, oh, what's he get? Oh, he's going to run past. <laughs> oh, like you get, you get excited yeah, because you know, he's, you trust him to do something exciting and something beautiful with it. It's the same thing with Messi. Um, and yeah, just right now, even Trossard last season, he would get the ball and you'd be like, oh, he's going to hit with his right foot, his left mm-hmm. foot, he's going to pass it, he's going to shoot it, what's he mm-hmm. going to do? And just everybody right now is just, you're just, um, you're just, they get the ball and it's like, what are you doing? Just <laughs> take a touch and pass well, it. Well, right. Don't be Run, in such a boy. hurry to shoot it. Right. <laughs> It's either they're doing things too quickly or they're doing things too slowly. <laughs> and it's, and I, a lot of that has to do with the confidence and has to do with, you know, it's part confidence and part where you're being told on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's a big thing right now with Arteta. He's, and I don't blame him. And he's, he's right by most accounts that if you want to win the league title, if you want to win games, your best chance statistically or the way you want to look at the game is when you have the ball. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about Saka so much and why I think he's really one of the best player, one of the best players in this position, because he doesn't really lose the ball. Mm -hmm. Watch him. He'll get the ball. Mm -hmm. Two defenders will come mark him. He won't lose it. We'll still have the ball. Right. And these are the simple things you need to do. But right now, I'm looking at these players individually where it's, what are you guys doing? Why are we taking so many touches? Why are we waiting? Why are we, Right. It should be one, two touches max. I don't want to see more than two touches if you're if you're in the front three. Yeah. Let Declan Rice touch the ball. Let Odegaard touch the ball. Let Salib whatever. Marnell, if you have the ball, if you take more than two three touches, you're it's you're wasting time now. Yeah. It's just it's useless. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was really disappointed. That was a whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, I will say this game and and also West Ham. I mean, like there, there's still good things happening. Like inside the 18 yard box, I'm seeing some fantastic ball movement still. Some really fancy footwork. Specifically, I remember Odegaard had some really nice moments of just like, how did he manage to keep the ball under those circumstances? Just some really uh, amazing plays. It's just. We forget about it because it doesn't end up, <laughs> it didn't end up amounting to anything. There was never that fancy play that ended up with the ball in, in the net, you know? But I watched uh, Liverpool Newcastle yesterday, 4 uh, 3. I only watched the second half. Second half was hmm. all, or sorry, 4 2. 4 2, 5 2, whatever it was. <laughs> um, if you look at the way Liverpool play, attacking wise, I get it. They're a different team. They have a different philosophy when they play. But if you look, when they win the ball back, you could see a guy, there'll be a midfielder or an attacker. He'll be sitting in between the defense and the midfield. And he'll have a little bit of space. What do you think Trent Alexander does, or anybody does? Kanate, I saw Kanate made one of the one of my favorite passes of the season. Didn't even, they should have scored, but they just yeah. whip it in through the right past midfield, right to the player's feet, because they know 
as sooner I get it to you, the more space and more time you can turn, you can also just whip it into mm. someone. And all of a sudden, when you're starting to play with people and you're starting to have second have second decisions and you're being hesitant about, oh, I don't want to give it to him because he might lose it. It's a dangerous position. Yeah, I get it, but it's also part of the game. You have to show some cojones. Though you have that's how you create things. We could if we you know we could keep playing this way the whole year, every game. And yeah, will we win most of the games? Probably, but you also need to have some unpredictability. Some You have to make the other team second guess. You can't second guess, guess yourself. You have to make right. the other team. You have to make the other team all of a sudden go, wow, I don't know if I should press so high on Sokka now or Odegaard because they're going to just turn and just whip it and there's going to be a guy free. And that's how it comes. You know, you got to play with the pace. You have to play with that sort mm. of Panache. So I watched the West Ham. I watched the Fulham game and all uh, a lot of it, I think, it's really confidence right now. I think people are, are scared yeah. to make the wrong mistake. And, I, and yeah, I can it's see a shame that. because, yeah. you know, the people we're talking about, they're attackers. You're, they're supposed to make mistakes. Yeah. But not the mistake that holds us back. It's the mistake of you getting close to scoring or trying to score a goal. Not, you know, so it's it's tough to watch at the moment. Well, yeah, hopefully uh, I have enough confidence in Arteta that he's drilling them hard. They have a whole week before their their weekend match this time, and uh, hopefully he's working on all the things that they need to to boost their confidence and uh, go strong into our Liverpool match coming up this weekend. You see, Liverpool, though, I'm actually less worried. These games, Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea, when I watch those games, I, I go... Uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm always feel pretty confident because these teams are going to come out to play. It's the teams, mm. it's the Fulham's and the West Ham's. The one that those are the <laughs> ones that really get me worried because it's we let in an early goal and they park the bus or they park the bus the whole game and, and it's just it's just difficult. It's like mm. it's like walking in mud and it's, it's that is the hard. Those are the I think the real hard games against Liverpool. We're going to have chances. I don't know if we're going to win the game. We're going to have chances to win the game. Mm-hmm. Liverpool are going to have chances to win the game. It's going to be a really good game. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Um, at this moment, I'd probably put my money on Liverpool because they're playing with like a lot of confidence. The way they're playing right now, yeah, they're they're playing they're playing like they don't care if they let in a couple goals. They know they're going to outscore you, right? And that terrifies me. <laughs> All right, so before we move on, uh, let's pick our players of the week. Sorry, I did not give you too much of a heads up on this to think about it beforehand. So I can go first if you'd like to. Have no, a go for to it. Think go about for it. it. I got, no, I, I think I have a general idea. If you if you know who you'd pick, then then please. No, no, please you. All right. first. It's it's tough. Like I, I went through most of the the week thinking with, with well not not the whole week. So I've only been thinking about a couple of days since the Fulham result. But um, I've been thinking oh, these we did so poorly. Who am I even going to pick? But I think the bright spot was Smith Rowe. It was good seeing him come out in the West Ham match. I think he had a good showing in the West Ham match. He did some interesting things. He didn't have a lot of time in which to do a lot. And, but I'm hoping if, you know, we're in a bit of a slump and sometimes you make a change to try and enliven things again, maybe we start seeing him a little bit more and maybe he could be that guy who plays like Jesus and who you're excited to see with the ball a little bit more. So, so that's who I would pick. Uh, what, what were you thinking? It's actually a great shout because I didn't even think about it, but I remember after the West Ham game, when he came on for those last 10 minutes, you know, he was trying to create something do mm-hmm. something you know and i was even thinking prior to the fulham game you know what maybe it's time to drop martinelli for a game or two and say you know what there are other people in your position who want to play and maybe they can do something and i don't know maybe you play smith bro and maybe he plays like doo-doo and then <laughs> and then uh and then you go okay well we need more okay well you know what i mean the guy's getting paid a hundred thousand pounds a week he's a decent player on West Ham, he helped create like two half chances, you know. Mm. So yeah, it's actually a good shout. Um, my player, I don't know. I, there's not really even anyone to choose. <laughs> you know, I wish we were in a position where I could just say Declan Rice and be done with it. But even <laughs> Declan Rice is is 
hasn't been as good. And I actually don't really blame him so much because if the guy has all this possession and we're expecting him just to run the show all the time, then you're delusional because mm. it's not the player he is. It's not who he is. He's not Thomas Partey. Mm-hmm. Thomas Partey can turn and drive the ball, shoot a missile right to your feet mm. and pass six players with one pass. Declan Rice is not that kind of player. So it's not Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 10, 10, 11, 12 more to go. <laughs> uh, I'll say, uh, I don't know. You know what? I don't even want to give, I don't even want to give any player because nobody, <laughs> nobody, honestly, uh, really, I'd say Odegaard, you know what? I'll, I'll say Odegaard just, just because he went through a bad patch of form, I think in November. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair to him, I have seen the last couple games two three games he's i've seen like the energy come back up and he's mm. he just needs to be a little bit more decisive but he's definitely improved so yeah, yeah. he was auto guard why not he's still the guy so yeah, that's that's, a, gets, that's a good call yeah i don't actually mean back. it i don't mean it he doesn't deserve it <laughs> if you have to pick somebody <laughs> but if i had to I'll, I'll give it to <laughs> it's okay why just not? between me you and our listeners we don't have to let them know <laughs> it's okay we won't let it go don't tell him, please just tell him i will <laughs> I mean, you you may not know because you probably didn't watch that episode, but can you see? Oh, (laughs) see, obviously, because I saw you you were wearing it, I I didn't know you got that one specifically. I I actually love this jersey. Oh yeah, I really my my favorite. It's 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 a sexy jersey, but yeah, that's we'll talk about that a little bit in the in the post show. I actually have a funny story to relate about the jersey, but um, but meanwhile, uh, you have some ideas for how Arsenal could turn around the season. So I want to hear it. What what do you have to suggest? All right, so this is my uh, tactical masterclass right now. (laughs) So if you look at the West Ham and Fulham games, we're having a lot of issues passing through the lines. Right, we're passing side to side. We don't want to lose possession. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, hmm, well, how do you solve that issue? Because, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that we can keep 60% possession in the game. doesn't matter who we play. We'll hold the possession. That's fine. It's about breaking the line. It's about having people on the team who have an eye for making a difference and saying, and being able to see down the pitch and go, all right, that's my guy, and just ping it. Right now, the only guy in our team who's fit, I don't even know how fit he is, to be honest. The only guy is Jorginho. Hmm. And I think it's unfair for Rice at the moment to be that just one guy pivot all by himself, having to dictate the tempo. Because again, he is not a dictate the tempo kind of guy. He is a, I'm going to get the ball back for you. And when I get the ball back, I'm going to drive forward. Whether I run with the ball or whether I support a run, this is he's not a guy who's, you're going to, Side side, little tick tick tock, above button, then he gets it, turns, and then all of a sudden the whole game changes. One pass, he's not that guy. So, I personally would start playing Jorginho, and I get it. Havertz is also good. Havertz is useful. He's playing okay. Maybe switch it up. Don't play Havertz. Play with two guys behind Odegaard. Let give Odegaard more freedom to go left to right instead of just keeping him at one place. You have Jorginho, you have Declan Rice. It also gives Declan Rice more freedom to push up. And all of a sudden, Jorginho is, makes a lot of great, great passes, vertical passes. Mm. So I think that all of a sudden could change it. And and having Declan Rice drive up the field is also different than having like Havertz. Havertz is very kind of sneaky in the way he does it. Declan Rice attracts people, mm. and it's very easy to see him coming, which in some ways actually could open up space for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we should start playing Jorginho more. And I think that's a big, and you can even see in the full of the like frustration starting to grow between the players. And yeah. I think that, I think a lot of it is just down to the players are sort of confused. Who's the responsible for what in the sense of, so and so has the ball. Why are you going left? Why are you going right? Why are you going this way? You know, let Jorginho do his thing. The guy knows what he's doing there. Right. It's not like he's a youngster. So yeah, that 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 would be my immediate solution. Um, okay. I don't think there's really much else we can do considering the players we have injured. So that's okay. really I think I think the big thing. But I don't, he's not going to do that. 
It's not going to do that. I know that because Arteta is stubborn. And because... Um, and because uh, he's always just going to do what Arteta wants to do, which, to be fair to the guy, he deserves it. He earned <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But he's going to need to come back after this Liverpool game at the end of January where... Um, where he's going to have to make a decision about how what he changes because if he goes with the same tack, we could be in some more trouble. Um. So yeah, that's yeah. that's my that's my opinion on that. I got a question <laughs> for you. Oh yeah, I got a question. What's coming up next week? Ah, good question. Glad you asked that. That's uh, so, so our next match is Sunday, and it is going to be at home against Liverpool. So this is the third round of the FA Cup. We drew a home match against Liverpool. So slightly fortunate in that's at home, but majorly unfortunate in that it's against another Premier League team. So, so you know, hopefully we can improve on our result from when we just played them a couple weeks ago, uh, because that is an FA Cup match. You can find that on ESPN Plus. So. Uh, that'll be one to one to look forward to. I'm uh, curious to see how they do. So it'll be good. And the fact that this one is right before a winter break, I think it's it's just go for it. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and we recommend you do, please like and subscribe. To support the show even more, of course, you can become a Gooner U super fan for ad-free episodes, bootleg recordings, and bonus segments and episodes. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. You can... Always find that link uh, if you're ever looking for it in the show notes. So you can follow our show on Twitter at Show for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me this week is Mike, and you can find him in Midtown watching Arsenal matches. Hell yeah. <laughs>